Welcome to Georgia Auburn Week on the Savage Pats Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Battle. And this week, Terry Godwin joins us to discuss the Deep South's oldest rivalry, as well as the Georgia-Auburn games that he took part in, including the Revenge in the Bins 2017 SEC Championship game. Then, show regular Corey Amick will rejoin us to break down his thoughts on Alabama LSU and what it means for the dogs. Our next show guest, Caitlin Caudill, was the first female president of the UGA Spike Squad, and she is joining the show to discuss her Spike Squad experience, as well as a few memories being painted up at the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Caleb Gwynn will then rejoin the show in our final segment to review Georgia's performance against Mizzou, evaluate this Auburn team that Georgia will face, and make predictions for a big week coming up in college football as part of the show's weekly Pick 6 segment. We've got a great show coming up, but before we kick things off, I want to tell you about our friends at Hotworks. Hotworks at 496 Baxter Street in Athens is the newest and most exciting workout to come to Athens in years. Hotworks offers a virtually instructed exercise program that leverages the benefits of an infrared heat sauna in a 30-minute isometric workout or 15-minute high-intensity interval training session. As the infrared heat penetrates your body, causing you to sweat, the isometric postures further speed the detox by flushing the toxins from your organs. And the results members see make Hotworks one of the most efficient 30-minute workout programs in the fitness industry today. Hotworks can always fit into your schedule as Hotworks sessions are available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. A certified virtual instructor will guide you through each session while motivating you to earn the burn. The Hotworks in Athens offers isometric sessions such as yoga, Pilates, bar, warrior, core, and bands, as well as high-intensity sessions of cycle and blast. And the effect zone gives Hotworks members bands, weights, ropes, and other equipment to use before, after, or in between infrared workout sessions. Mention that you heard about Hotworks on the Savage Pads podcast and join for just $1. For more information, call or text Hotworks at 706-309-0249. That's 706-309-0249 or follow them on Facebook or Instagram at Hotworks Athens. They helped us bring you this one coming up. Stay tuned. Practice every day. Man, oh man. Mono ain't mono. He, he definitely six hour reminds me and myself as close as we uh, have right now to rope on. When we score, I honestly did not know where I was for about five seconds. Early on, you could see with Jake, you know, just like with Fran talking to him. Maybe one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks in the country. And we got to keep feeding the running back. I don't think we've yet to see the tight ends. I think Georgia does a great job bringing pressure on third down. Turn around two weeks later in the SEC Championship, we look like a completely different team and we made them look like a completely different team. I mean, it's hard to get emotional thinking about it. And it was my job to kind of get outside the corner. And uh, as soon as I let it go, I knew it was good. From that point on, I kind of began to trust of Eric Murray as my 
one quarterback. The team is just special. I would say he was onside. Everybody respects the specs. That's what every Georgia fan should hinge their hopes on. Alabama and Georgia are the best two teams in the country. I feel like we are the true running back team. I have great confidence that we're going to see the personification of Georgia football. Welcome to Auburn Week on the Savage Pads podcast. Terry Godwin is on the line. Terry, thank you for joining us. Oh, yeah, no problem, no problem. Glad, glad to be on here. Yeah, glad to have you. Well, Terry, listen, we've wanted to have you on for a while, uh, but Auburn Week was perfect for a number of reasons, beginning with the fact that you strongly considered going to Auburn. Terry, what ultimately led you to choose Georgia over Auburn? Um, Pretty much Georgia just felt like home, and then at the time, Coach Rick was there, Mm -hmm. and I knew what type of man Coach Rick was and what type of man he would make you off the field. And that's something that I wanted to do further in life, to go somewhere that I'm going to get a great education, play great ball, and also become a man mm-hmm. outside of football. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Georgia fans are certainly glad that you made the decision to come to Georgia. As those who, hurt, me too. Yeah, yeah. Um, as those who follow <laughs> the team closely know that the 2017 likely um, may have not even made the playoff without your heroic grab against Notre Dame. We'd love to reminisce on that one. Can you walk dog fans through your iconic catch through your point of view? Oh, yeah, of course. Well, uh, we was on, I think, the five or six-yard line, mm-hmm. and it was like seven to three or something like that. And from called my number, and I knew it was coming to me, so my mentality was either I catch the ball or no man catch it, and he threw it to where only I could reach it, and I knew right then and there that it has to be mine. And with that being said, I threw a, well, I tried to throw it both hands, but there was contact. And with the contact, I only got one hand up. And with that hand, it hit. I was kind of, you know, upset that it didn't stick, but I came down with the catch. Yeah. And I knew I had a foot in and maintained position. Yeah. All right. Well, um, as I'm sure you're well aware, George Pickens is is a guy who seems fully capable of that same type of game-changing play. And he also followed in your footsteps a little bit as a five-star who spurned Auburn for Georgia in, in spite of Auburn's close mm-hmm. proximity to his home. Based on your similar situations as well as your personal success in that rivalry game, what would be your advice to George Pickens as it pertains to handling the emotions in a game that may feel personal to him? Oh, man, I just say the emotions are going to be high. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, everything, your blood is going to be rushing. Everything, you're going to be one to want to make the play every every time. But you just have to have to sit there and let the game come to you. Don't try to go to the game, you know. Mm-hmm. And just do what God gave you and what you've been working on, the hard work you put in, just where it pays off there. So just got to do what you've been doing all year and also at practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's something that you clearly modeled against Auburn in big-time performances in each of your last two seasons. But before those two games, as we remember, um, the 2017 SEC Championship team that you played on struggled mightily on the road at Auburn. In your opinion, what gave Auburn the edge in that one? I mean, they just came out ready to play, and we didn't execute as well as we thought we should have. And evidently, they came out on top. Mm-hmm. And and Auburn really gloated in that one. Um, I mean, I was there. I saw players dancing to Soldier Boy on the sideline, and 
Gus Malzahn claiming uh, to yeah. have beat the dog crap out of Georgia, and your former teammate Trey Matthews uh, showboating on on the other side of the field. Now, why it may have felt good for Auburn fans in the moment, the showboating to me was a peculiar move because they were likely to face you guys again in, in the state of Georgia three weeks later. Exactly. Yeah. And how did the nature of that loss in Jordan here kind of light a fire under your team, which went on to beat Auburn in that SEC championship game? Oh, man, it lit a bit fire because just remembering that they did all the showboating and then Coach Mazan walking around talking about he beat the good dog crap out of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had that plan all week, so it was motivation. Mm-hmm. And we knew once we got a chance to play them again, it was going to be over with. Yeah. And we got that chance on the big stage. Yeah, well – as we all know, uh, following that, that one loss to Auburn, you, Terry Godwin, became Auburn's worst nightmare with several crucial plays in the next two contests, including <laughs> a touchdown and a two-point conversion in that SEC championship victory, as well as that pivotal 38-yard touchdown on fourth down in last year's win. Now, dog fans are well aware of Auburn's defensive strengths under defensive coordinator Kevin Steele, but with the amount of success you've had playing against them, I am curious, where is this Auburn defense most vulnerable, in your opinion? As of right now, I probably had to say, or until I, I just know our game plan, I had to say the secondary, because with our receiving core that they have there now, they have no DBs that will be able to cover. Pickens, Cager, Simmons, um, I mean, just the whole receiving core. We have so many guys in there just the talent that's in that room and also with Fromm being back there and then, you know, you got Swift, Zamir, Brian Harris. I mean, we just we just have a boatload of talent. Not saying that they don't, but we just know how to use ours and use their weakness against them. Uh-huh. And George's offensive coordinator is a guy that, that you played pretty closely under as he was our wide receiver coach at one point while you were at Georgia, and that's James Coley. How do you expect James Coley to attack this Auburn defense on Saturday? Oh, man, I expect him to come out with everything. He's going to throw everything at him, and it's, it's going to be a show. Yeah, okay. And uh, Georgia-Auburn, Saturday at 3.30 Eastern time. What what are you predicting as far as the score? Oh, man, I predict Georgia's going to blow him out. Blow him out? Yes, sir. Can we can we get a number on that just so that when they do so, we can be like, dang, Terry uh, knew. I had to say at least 14. And also, if we ever get to play LSU, I know I know we're going to play LSU there, too. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Terry, uh, need some whatever you're taking over there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, since you mentioned LSU, how do you feel? I mean, you were part of that team that lost a tough one in Baton Rouge last year. Yeah, it, it was a tough one. It was how do you feel your former teammates are going to respond when they get the opportunity to play that same LSU team again? Um, I mean, it's just like last year with the Auburn game. It's gonna, it's gonna light a fire up under them, and I know they're gonna go out there and ball. Yeah, yeah. Well, man, I, uh, I hope they do. And Terry, we, we're looking forward to seeing you ball uh, one of these days over there in Jacksonville. Yes, but sir. Again, we, we appreciate you taking a moment out of your time to join us on the show, and uh, we wish you the absolute best with the Jaguars over there. Thanks, Terry. Yes, sir. Thank you. I'll be a doubt till I die. Till I die. Yeah. All right. Now, recurring guest Corey Amick joins us to discuss the playoff ramifications of Alabama's loss to LSU. Corey, welcome back. Hey, Doug. Glad to be back. Glad to have you back, and 
As someone from the state of Alabama, I know that Alabama fans are likely treating this loss as if it were a national tragedy. Corey, in your opinion, when was the last time Bama fans hurt this bad? Mm, uh, probably Selma or Brown versus Board of Education. Uh, but we don't have to get into those. Um, but mm-hmm. it really does feel like a, a national event when, when Bama loses. And unfortunately for the fans, I would say every other fan of any team is in like celebratory mode right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what was it that you think made the difference for LSU on Saturday? Oh, man, I'm, I'm still on board with Coach O. Uh, I think he's the heart and soul of the team. Um, I truly believe that a lot of the credit for this win should go to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, realistically and, like, being, like, completely real, I would say the willingness that he had to, like, change a system like he did and be willing to, like, bring in coaches that were going to do that and recruit athletes that would be able to fit, like, an entirely new scheme from what LSU is known and, like, built around mm-hmm. um, is, like, I mean, incredible. But really, it's just his voice uh, and the way he says, go Tigers. Uh, is I don't think Bama could handle that. And I don't think no matter how angry or controlled by his wife Nick Saban is, I don't think he could ever outdo Coach O in a, in a matchup like this. Yeah, and the thing about Coach O's voice is you can't replicate it. And um, there, there's some things he said on Saturday that we're not going to repeat, but he could always claim that he was saying something else because you can't really tell what he's saying ever. Um, so he's always got right. an out with that. But, Corey, how disappointing do you think it would be for Bama fans to watch Tua and Henry Ruggs and Devontae Smith go pro this year with no championship of any kind in their last season together? Well, I think that Bama fans will quickly transform their disappointment into anger. Mm-hmm. And they'll probably, I don't know, start like tweeting hashtag fire saving and leaving games at halftime mm-hmm. and probably even hating the Dolphins for the whole tank for Tua thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then the new one I've heard is, well, this is, you know, sorry for Tua after this week, but. I think it's it's blow for Joe now. I think Joe Burrow leading the charge, so Bama fans will just take their disappointment and project that even further on on Joe Burrow himself. Yeah, wow, that I hadn't heard that one yet. But um, Joe Burrow certainly has has looked to the part of an NFL quarterback this year. And on that winning side of that game, many fans feel LSU has overthrown Alabama as the SEC's team to beat for the coming years. Corey, what do you think Coach Ed O would say to those fans? Well, I think he'd probably say something a little like this. Well, I'm just I'm a player right now, and I believe that we're going to the best team in the ball, and I like you, we're going to come there, and we're going to do a really good job, man. That's all I'm saying. That's all I've got to say. Go Tigers. Probably something like that. Oh, my gosh. Was that really you? No, I actually got him sitting right next to me. So, oh, Coach O, welcome to the show. Was was not expecting was not expecting to have you. Well, um, in, in all seriousness, Corey, Coach O has done a tremendous job turning around this LSU program. As many have forgotten, it was controversial for LSU to fire Les Miles in the first place, and then replace a national champion head coach with a defensive coach who only lasted three years in his only previous SEC head coaching job at Ole Miss. 
Then in his first season as head coach, LSU lost a home game to Troy, and Paul Feinbaum predicted that he wouldn't make it to a third season at LSU. But here we are in his third season with LSU sitting with easily the best resume in college football, their toughest regular season opponents behind them, and a well-earned number one ranking. Corey, do you think Coach O can sustain this level of play from his players, though he has no history of doing so? Man, I do. LSU has this, like, swag about their team this year where they just look like they're having so much fun being, like, an absolute wagon. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the combination of, of, like, the pure athleticism they have, the skill that their players have, and then, like, the joy and, like, swag they have when they're on the field and when they're on the sidelines. Um, And then I actually have a good friend that I grew up with that, is a long snapper for LSU, so shout out to Blake Ferguson, um, having a killer career there. Um, but like the way that he talks about Coach O, um, and just like the way that he's fostered this sense of like this is LSU football, so either join us or prepare to get absolutely like stomped on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's here to stay for a while. So uh, he, like Kirby, is a guy that players want to play for, not only because of like the proven success that they're like either building right now or they've had in the past, but because like he's a genuine, likable, upbeat guy that will make their time as a college athlete mm-hmm. meaningful, but also they're going to have a crap ton of fun. Um, plus, like when you just hear Coach O talk, like we always like make fun of and like talk about his voice, but I mean, who wouldn't want to play for a guy who sounds like that? Mm-hmm. Um, so I really do think it's the beginning of, of an era with Coach O and um, – I see him sticking around to LSU for a while. I've already seen like some talk of like, what if like he got talked to for the USC job or like a Notre Dame job in the future. And I'm like, why would a guy like him leave a place like, you know, LSU, like yeah. that place built for a man like him. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I think we'll look back in a few years and be like, man, we should have seen this coming when, when LSU hired that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And as it pertains to Georgia, how do you feel this Georgia team matches up with Coach O's LSU squad should the two teams play each other in the SEC championship game as it looks like they will? Yeah, um, I'm not going to touch on our offense versus their defense for a few reasons. First, uh, I think it totally depends on which Coley shows up for, for that game. Um, and same with, with Jake Fromm, more so Coley. So that's something that you know is up in the air until it happens. And then mm-hmm. Secondly, I think their defense is easily exposed, mm-hmm. um, and I'm confident that we can put points on them, even if we do kind of have like a restricted play calling Coley matchup, like we had against South Carolina or you know Kentucky. Like not to that extent, but I do think that if we come out flat or if we come out like with extremely predictable play calling, that we'll still be able to to score on their defense just because, like I just their defense is is not, you know, anywhere close to the level of their offense. And that shows in games like Vanderbilt when they give up, you know, 38 points to a team that should not score 38 points against anyone. Right. Um, but the thing that gets me really excited is possibility and pretty much now like the shoe-in of, of seeing our defense play what's probably the best offense in the nation. Um, Ohio State's obviously up there, but we really don't know because we haven't seen Ohio State play that good of a defense yet. Right. Um, but the fact of putting up, you know, 70 points multiple times this season is impressive regardless. Um, so our defense hasn't seen a true spread offense um, this this season, and I think it's going to be a really good test um, 
So for, in order for us to hold our own, it's going to require a ton of guys in the secondary to step up um, and just make some really big plays and probably have the game of their life as, you know, a freshman or sophomore, which is going to be a big ask. Um, but after seeing Bama's defense get shredded both through the air and on the ground, uh, I'm definitely intrigued to see how we will fare. So I think that we can hold Edward Delaire to like a pretty average game on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, is this is our secondary going to be able to hold up and prevent those big plays? Because you know, watching Bama, it feel it felt like every time Joe Burrow threw the ball, it was at least you know 18, 20 yards at a time. Um, and I think if he's able to do that against our secondary, then as good as our run defense might be, it's going to be really tough to keep them out of the end zone. Um, and, yeah, I think that the downfield big play is like our, our biggest threat that LSU has against us, um, and that's that's shown multiple times against our defense this season. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I definitely I worry a little bit about us getting pressure on Joe Burrow um, just because no one has gotten that much pressure on him yet with the exception of Auburn, and, you know, Auburn helped LSU do a pretty close game. Um but yeah, with with Joe Burrow being as hot as he's been this season, that's probably going to keep me up at night until that game comes because yeah. that's just going to be that's going to be a real battle. And I think if our defense holds them to less than twenty eight, mm-hmm. then we have a we have a pretty good chance there. Yeah, I absolutely agree on that one. But in order for that game to matter, Georgia's got to win their remaining regular season games, starting with number thirteen Auburn this week. Corey, what thoughts and concerns do you have going into the dogs test against one of the country's best defenses? Just the rivalry, dude, and the and like the SEC West, you know, hiccup that Kirby's had oh. the last few seasons. Um, yeah, I really, I really don't think that Bo Nix is just going to magically figure it out this week and suddenly be able to read a defense as good and as well coached as ours. Um, my focus will be on how our offense comes out against probably the best defense that it'll see this entire season, you know, including the SD championship game. Um, so looking back at the LSU Auburn game that we, we just mentioned, um, Auburn's prepared to battle out like a low scoring game because they're used to not having that output on offense like we are. Um, so, you know, how do we combat that on offense? I see, you know, Pickens having a, a coming out party. If, if Coley decides to throw the ball, like he did against Mizzou. Um, right. I think the Missouri game was, so big for Pickens because he got to see those extra targets um, that he probably hasn't seen for most of the season. And um, I don't know. I really think that if Pickens like comes out and plays the way he did and Cole like calls some plays to get him the ball, um, I think he could be like a, probably like a, a freshman year defining game um, against Auburn. And I think it'll be interesting if Auburn, you know, watches the film and, and tries to go after Pickens not only in coverage but in just like the mental game as far as trying to get him like chirping and you know doing things that like a freshman wide receiver that is highly recruited and probably going to be really good one day you know might be a little bit on the edge of taking a stupid penalty so I mm-hmm. think like even the small things like that if we can control and focus and and play our game then um, I like our matchup um, other than that I do have a concern for how Coley's going to adjust to Auburn packing the box to shut down our run game. Because um, right. we know, like, everyone in the world knows that our first two or three drives are probably going to be run-run pass. Um, and especially with our offensive line possibly being down a guy or two, especially when it comes to even if those guys are back, um, you know, not having that you know depth at each position to be able to throw, like, 
Caden A's in at center or, you know, Ben Cleveland or whatever. So I think if Coley can if Coley can mix up some formations and have some runs designed to like least expose us to Auburn's front seven, um, then I feel really good about the matchup because I'm really, really confident that our defense can hold Auburn to, you know, less than twenty, if not less than ten. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be funny if the new nine to six game is Georgia Auburn, you know, in honor of the the Bama LSU now being a yeah. high scoring shootout. Yeah, very well <laughs> could happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It very well could happen. Um, well, as always, Corey, we appreciate you taking a moment of your time to join us, and we look forward to the next time you do so. Thanks again, man. Yeah, thanks, Dad. Go, dogs. All right, now, former UGA Spike Squad co-president Caitlin Caudill joins the show. Caitlin, welcome to the Savage Pads podcast. Thanks, Doug. Good to be on. It's great to have you. And uh, for those of you listening who don't know, Caitlin was one of the Spike Squad presidents when I was a freshman Spike Squad interviewee. And, uh, well, first off, Caitlin, what do you remember about our, our first encounter in that interview? Okay, so you were super confident, first of all. But the number two thing I remember was your face paint, that your your idea for Darth Maul. Yeah. And initially, we're all like, oh, I don't know if you can pull that off. But you're like, no, I have it prepared. I've practiced it already. I'm going to do it every time. And we're like, well, he seems sure about it. And that's the coolest idea we've heard so far. So, yeah, he's going to be on. <laughs> yeah, I just, I remember... It was either you or Travis that said, because I said, I have an idea for what I want to do. And somebody kind of interjected and said, as long as it's not Darth Maul face paint, because every year we have somebody that thinks that's what they're going to do. Um, and so that's that's when I pulled out the picture of, of myself. So I just for listeners that don't know, also, we don't like paint up for the interview or people always ask me, like, is there an audition? Do you have to <laughs> yell? Um, but yeah, it was just like a normal, like a job interview almost um, for like the coolest job, yeah. coolest job ever. Before like a panel of like other crazy fans, like we're trying to sit there and act like we're not that crazy. And then the yeah. minute that everybody's in the pads, we're all insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was like so. super nervous about making the Spike Squad. Like I remember waiting to get the results back from my first ever basketball tryouts in like seventh grade. And I think I was more nervous about this. Uh, and the weirdest thing to really? me, yeah, the weirdest thing to me looking back is that I really joined without knowing a single person. Like I'd moved to Georgia from Alabama, and I just showed up at the 2014 Clemson game, painted up as Darth Maul. Like I kind of walked from my freshman dorm all the way to the stadium by myself, and I uh, met all my new friends there. But Caitlin, I, I guess I always saw you as a senior and and never even asked about what your experience was like joining the spike squad can you tell our listeners what led you to make the decision to spend your fall saturdays in spiked shoulder pads screaming for your dogs well i actually didn't join until my junior year so everybody always thought that i was on for like all four years but that's not true okay um i hopped on junior year after sitting in the stands like freshman and sophomore year completely bored out of my mind with people wanting to leave in the fourth quarter. Yes. I'm like, we get these tickets for $8. I don't know if the price has gone up since then, but $8 a piece. 
So when is that ever going to happen again in your life, first Never. of all? Yeah, we've <laughs> definitely learned that. I mean, I saw you at the game. Well, this week we got lucky. Um, but Right. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you get handicaps. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, people have no, I don't know. They don't, they don't understand the value there. No, and, you know, I guess you get a lot of people who are kind of fair weather, mm-hmm. as disappointing as that is. Um, and I just got really tired of being there by myself waiting for the final you know, seconds to tick off and being like, all right, well, those guys look really cool. And I looked at paint line. I'm like, I'm not painting guys. I want to be painted. Mm -hmm. So that's why I looked to spike squad. And I had an interview just like yours. I didn't know what I wanted to paint up as though. I still don't know what my (laughs) persona really was. Honestly. Yeah. I was just me, just crazier version of me. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was basically it. You know, I was sold that first game. It was, um, South Carolina was my first paint. Okay. Um, and I think we did beat Spurrier that year. And I remember like screaming about the visor and throwing it and all that. Right. Right. Yeah. And as you told me in our first conversation, um, painting up on the spike squad isn't always as glamorous as, as it may seem. And yes, we had our moments on TV and of course we get to be there for the entire game with people that, or as passionate as we are, but there's also being in line for hours and hours before the games. And there's the extremely hot and the extremely cold games. One of the most cold games I can remember painting in was the 2014 Auburn game. And that was the year we were both on the squad together. And, uh, you, you were the one that really led us out there into the cold in in a game with temperatures in the thirties. Caitlin, what do you remember about that game in which uh, 15th-ranked Georgia took on number 9 Auburn? I remember kind of like our guys are probably doing now, like preparing all week for the cold. I bought new, like, Nike leggings that were, you know, super lined with fleece. I wore, I think, like three pairs of those. You know, I wore as much as I could up top, you know, on my arms and, having hand warmers for all y'all who, you know, maybe y'all forgot them or something. I was like, Oh my gosh, I got to be your mom. Let me get you hand warmers. Um, hot cocoa. I think a couple of fans actually bought us some cocoa. Um, that yeah, I do really that. helped us. The fans the were always game. clutch with stuff like that. Like we got some, uh, some Gatorade on the really hot games when we were all oh, dehydrated yeah. and everybody was really sweet about that. Um, Really grateful for those fans. I don't even remember who they are, but shout out to them. Shout out. Um, I don't think we would have survived without, honestly, some kind of warm beverage, something. Um, it was a good game, though. We were very energetic. Um, it was a game to be hyped for because, you know, we were, I think, 15 ranked at that time yeah, we and were Auburn 15. was nine. Mm-hmm. That's right. And we came out ready to go. I mean, from the moment the game kicked off, just completely stomping them actually it was really you know i didn't expect auburn to come out so flat um they only put up seven points on us the whole game yeah yeah and that was the game when todd finally made his comeback after the uh yeah long awaited um i guess it was his junior year so it was his last season with us and he had been suspended for several games and nick chubb had been you know, he had taken the reins and been the guy for a little bit, but that was really, really the only time ever that we saw Nick Chubb and Todd Gurley on the same team, 
pretty much splitting carries and absolutely dominating that Auburn defense. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'll always remember Todd's kick return for a touchdown, even though it got called back, which was a bad call, by the way. Um, I think they called oh, yeah. it on Ron Rankin, um, but it was a bad call. I could be wrong. Either way, Ryan, if you're listening, <laughs> sorry if, if that was wrong. I didn't mean to throw you under the bus, but it was a bad call either way. So, um, right. yeah, that was a, a really good one. And not much has really changed since then between Georgia and Auburn. Uh, Georgia's four and one against Auburn since then with the one mm-hmm. loss in a regular season game that was followed up by a glorious SEC championship my senior year, um, just three weeks mm-hmm. later. But while little has changed between the two teams, much has changed for both of us since then. I now have the podcast and otherwise get out my college football energy like a normal fan, either watching the game from home or from the stands, not in spiked shoulder pads or on TV. Caitlin, how have you adjusted to life after the paint and the spikes? Well, I took my craziness to uh, law enforcement now. So okay. I'm a probation and parole officer. So, you know, I still, like you, get my yells out for the team, you know, in front of a TV now. Or mm-hmm. if I'm lucky enough to be in the stands, like at the Rose Bowl or, you know, somewhere like that, then I'm screaming my whole head off. Right. Um, but today I just get to scream my head off at people on a regular basis or, you know, <laughs> In a positive way. I'm really trying to help them. I'm not trying to be like, you know, that was a bad call. Are you blind? Like, yeah, no, not trying to do that. Yeah. So are are you as loud and obnoxious watching the games as you were um, back when you were wearing the spikes and, or have you mellowed out a little bit as a fan? Mm, I would say no, I have not mellowed out. I mean, you know, if I'm in a public place, obviously, like, you know, if I'm at a restaurant or something, I have to kind of behave myself. But, <laughs> right. you know, um, I still like I think my dad and I always compete if I'm watching the game with them about how loud we can be like, can they hear us from Athens? <laughs> you know, right, right. Yeah. So for our listeners that um, aren't familiar, Caitlin well, I don't know. It's just my view of Caitlin's very different than than probably most people listening because she was kind of a superior to me. I say kind of. She was a superior to me. She was the president. I was the freshman. Wow. And uh, I don't even know if you know this, Caitlin. You probably do. But some of the freshman guys were, like, legitimately scared of Caitlin um, <laughs> because she's yeah. very – I mean, she she is a great leader. She She's very firm. Um, in her leadership style, but also at the football game, she really like has this, I'm not going to say crazy side because that that's, that sounds like a negative um, quality, but she really goes it all out for is, the dogs. Though. Yeah. And so, well, and so um, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to imagine you ever mellowing out. And uh, I'm glad to hear <laughs> that, that that's not the case. No, definitely not. I, I, you got to paint a picture for them though. I mean, I'm five, four, like yeah. 120 pounds, maybe. Yeah, I didn't want to and, say your weight. On you know, there. I was gonna let you. Do it's that. fine. I don't care. I don't care. I'll say it. <laughs> um, but I'm little, and my voice is probably. I don't know. I guess it sounds like I'm coming in through like stadium speakers, like the updated ones at the stadium now, like big bass, like <laughs> just about to blow your eardrums out with my loudness because I'm just so excited for the dog. Yeah. 
Yeah. But sorry to intimidate all y'all. I'm really sorry. Yeah. I, I well, didn't mean to do that. A lot of people called me Khaleesi, too. <laughs> and that kind of has negative connotations now after Game of Thrones is over. Yeah. But, yeah. No, we, we love you. We love you. Um, it's just, it's funny to me now, looking back, and the fact that, like, I know I know you remember Avery. Uh, he and I are good friends. Yeah. And, and if your name ever comes up, he's like, oh, man, I used to be so scared of her. Little <laughs> 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 oh, five foot four. Um, girl, I don't know, but uh, but you wouldn't want to fight Caitlin. That's something about Caitlin, and and uh, that that I thought yeah. you all should know. But last question for you, Caitlin. Since you are still the same fan deep down that you always were, I know you have your thoughts on this Georgia team. What kind of performance do you expect from these dogs at Auburn this upcoming Saturday? I think we've gotten out all the little kinks, you know, like the. I hope so. I, won't, I don't want to look back at the South Carolina game and be like, oh, you know, that was our kind of game where we screwed it up. And this year, you know, I feel like we have one of those every year, and whether we lose it or we don't, you know, something happens like that. Yeah. Um, but this year, I feel like with Auburn, it's going to be a real defensive slug fest. Just mm-hmm. everybody. I, I hope our defense will score some points for us. Um you know, I know we've had some difficulty moving the ball on offense, but I think if we can just put up some points and maybe, you know, hopefully we can work a mistake or two out of Auburn with, you know, Bo Nix as a freshman and mm-hmm. as good as he is. I don't like knocking on other teams before we win. <laughs> That's not <laughs> right. my style. We'll say that for next but, week. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think we can pull it out. We just have to, as long as we don't make mistakes on our end and – you know, if we can execute on some mistakes that maybe Auburn will make, whether that's, you know, I was looking back at those highlights from 2014, a muff punt, something like that. Mm-hmm. If we can just score off of those, mm-hmm. um, put up points where we need to, I think we can come out of Jordan here with a win. Yeah, that's that's what I'm hoping to. I do think it's going to be, like you said, a low-scoring game. Um, Auburn's defense, I think they held LSU to 23 points. They're, they did. Uh, they're legit, and we've got to play offensively like how we played against Florida. We got to take that kind of approach because this defense is probably better than the Florida defense. Um, and so I agree. I and really their only losses were to Florida and to LSU, and those are both pretty uh, formidable opponents. So I'm like you. I think I think turnovers are going to be huge, and would love to see us score on one. I don't know if you're at that game when Mo Smith ran it back. Um, but our only touchdown was on defense. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, Caitlin, it's been great talking to you, uh, you know, hearing your thoughts on, on Georgia football and kind of sharing your your Spike Squad story with our listeners. So thank you for your time and, and for coming on here and sharing with us. No, thanks for having me, Doug, and uh, maybe I'll see you at a bowl or a natty here soon. Hopefully a natty, but a different yes, outcome let's this do time. natty. Different outcome this time. Yes, different outcome <laughs> very different like with the whole trophy and everything and us screaming about it yeah (laughs) yeah yeah all right sounds good thanks caitlin all right thanks doug go dog all right now caleb gwynn joins us once again for some uga mizzou awards as well as the weekly pick six segment caleb it's great to have you on as always hey man good to be back good to have you back caleb every week we talk about the smash mouth all-star of the week being the player on offense who exhibited Kirby Smart's demand for composure, physicality, and toughness, 
who stood out to you offensively against Missouri last weekend? Um, well, statistically wise, um, it has to be George Pickens for me. Yeah. Um, even though it seems like, you know, he's going to make mistakes. Uh, he made a few mistakes um, being off uh, off the line of scrimmage there. I don't know if that was his fault or, or what. It might have mm-hmm. been. But anyway, um, it was just really good to see his athleticism at, at play. Um, and you can tell that um, Fromm really trusts him or at least wants to trust him because of his athleticism. Um, and to see them be able to connect a few times um, was really encouraging given the fact that Cagers uh, was out a little bit and his status is a little unknown. Mm-hmm. So that was really great to see. I love to, love to see his competitiveness and just passion. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to see him do it again this week, um, be a little salt in the wound for Auburn because they thought they had him for so long and they didn't. But on the other side of the ball on defense, who do you have as your Savage Pads player of the week? Mm, love to see LeCount um, being aggressive, yes. jumping that play, um, getting the interception, um, really being aggressive, getting downfield after the catch. Um, he's just a baller all out, and we're starting to see some things that he can bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was I'd give that to him, just being the, uh, the outstanding defensive player on that side of the ball. Yeah. yeah, I agree, and that's his second one for us here. So he's really coming into his own. Um, but now we're going to transition to our pick six segment that we do every week. Caleb and I both missed Minnesota's upset over Penn State as well as LSU's win over Alabama at Bryant-Denny last weekend. Uh, but we both correctly predicted the Texas underdog victory over Kansas State as well as Wisconsin's win over Iowa, Notre Dame's win over Duke, and Florida's home win against Vanderbilt. So we're both 4-2 and two on the week, and Caleb had the closer score for the extra point. I got Caleb his first weekly victory in a while and uh, brought our overall scores for the season to within one. So I have 38 points. Caleb, you have 37. You're mounting a comeback, and uh, that's what this week's for. It's for me to pull back ahead even more. So thankfully we've got some tough games coming up that will uh, likely reveal my – superior football expertise to yours starting with number 24 indiana at number nine penn state caleb who are you picking in this one um i'm gonna go with penn state still um they've shown that they aren't an elite team but i do think they're a little more talented here um, i think they'll pull this one out yeah i'm going penn state as well it's hard to see them losing two in a row although wisconsin did it not too long ago um, dropping out of that top four but yeah I, i'm Going with Penn State here. Next game, we got a SEC East matchup between number 11 Florida on the road at Missouri. Obviously, Georgia fans, uh, you know, saw what happened with Missouri last week. Florida absolutely beat down Vanderbilt in a game that has Florida fans thinking they're better than Georgia somehow, even though uh, we just beat them. So I'm, uh, you know, I don't think they're better than Georgia. I do think they're better than Missouri. I'm going with Florida here. Yeah, yeah. Last week we kind of talked about the two directions that Florida could have gone: mm-hmm. um, crash, crash course in the season, or kind of pick it up and get a little angry about um, how the season's gone so far. Um, and I was pretty impressed with how they responded, given it is Vanderbilt, but SEC team nonetheless, and they dominated. So I'm, I'm still going to go with uh, Florida on this one. Yeah, um, definitely not better than Georgia, but they are. I still think they're a pretty decent team. Yeah. Okay. So this next one's interesting to me. We got number 21 Navy at number 16 Notre Dame. 
I feel like we've kept up with Notre Dame more so than we do most seasons just because Georgia played them. But Notre Dame took care of business last week against Duke. But they now face a Navy team that has only lost to Memphis. And for what it's worth, this Navy team has crushed the majority of its opponents. In recent weeks, Notre Dame, on the other hand, squeezed out wins over USC, Virginia Tech, lost to Michigan in a blowout, and then blew out Duke. So they've been very, very inconsistent. Navy's consistently been beaten down on teams, uh, with the exception of Memphis. Caleb, who you got in this one? Ooh, this is tough because I, I re- I'm really impressed with what Navy can do. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I think, obviously, Notre Dame's a little bit more talented. This pick really just depends on what kind of what kind of day Notre Dame comes out to. Um, sure. And I, I think I'm going to go with the upset um, with Navy, just because of the inconsistency and the fact that Navy – seems to be consistent so yeah i'm going with notre dame i still it's weird because i don't think they're that good like i think georgia could have beat them by a lot more and didn't necessarily play their best game against notre dame um also think georgia's still has a lot to prove um and and hopefully they'll they'll start to do that this weekend but at the same time i feel like i've seen navy barely lose these kinds of games even the Army game so many years. Um, and, and Notre Dame with Ian Book being a such a competitor and such a good player, I just I see them winning this one at home. It's a tough one, though. I mean, I, I was really split on that one. But I'm going with Notre Dame. Next game, number 22, Texas at Iowa State. Um, as we both predicted last week, Texas did beat Kansas State. And uh, Iowa State is coming off a one-point loss to Oklahoma. Oh, this is tough. Um, I totally forgot about Iowa State coming that close to Oklahoma. It would have been um, crazy. Yeah, that sure would have. Um, yeah, I think that uh, Iowa State coming so close to Oklahoma uh, was somewhat of a fluke. I think they're still a solid team, but um, but I think Texas is just a better team. So yeah. I'm going to pull towards Texas for this. Yeah, I'm going with Texas. As I said last week, I think they're better than their record. Um, and I think Tom Herman is uh is still a good coach particularly on the offensive side of the ball so i think they get things together i think like you said it'll be hard for iowa state to repeat that type of performance against a team of that caliber team of that talent going with texas next one number seven minnesota the team who shocked us all last week playing on the road at number 23 iowa so as we know minnesota beat penn state they're undefeated and they have the opportunity to continue to prove themselves against another ranked opponent in Iowa who uh, recently fell to Wisconsin by two points and a heartbreaking road loss. But they fought hard with Wisconsin as well as teams like Michigan and Penn State. Still looking for their first big win over a ranked opponent, though. This could be it for Iowa. They could knock off Minnesota. This is, I don't know, this is another tough one. This is tough, but I'm definitely on the Minnesota train um, after watching what they did last week. They just, they're just they just a well-coached football team. Obviously, they're not, they don't have crazy talent, uh-huh. um, but we've seen in years past that you don't necessarily need that um, to win some big games. So I think they're just well-coached, um, and I do think they'll, they'll win this one, Minnesota. Yeah, I, I want to go with the upset here, but Iowa's offense lacks firepower from, from the games that I've seen. Minnesota's red hot. I could see them getting a little full of themselves and a little ahead of themselves and then dropping off. I feel like we see that every year with these type of teams. 
But I'm still going to pick Minnesota, mostly due to Iowa's offensive struggles. And our last pick six game before the extra point, this is a big one. We got number 10, Oklahoma, playing on the road at number 12, Baylor. So as we know, Oklahoma barely escaped Iowa State in a 42-41 to shootout last week that kept their playoff hopes technically alive. And Baylor has been the cardiac kids this year. They beat TCU, West Virginia, Texas Tech, and Iowa State each by six points or less. So they're undefeated. And uh, while many will point to strength of schedule as a hindrance to their college football playoff aspirations, they have a big opportunity here to silence those doubters in a home matchup against a nationally respected and uh, very talented Oklahoma team, just like Minnesota did last week against Penn State. 10, Oklahoma at 12, Baylor. Caleb. Yeah, I like Oklahoma in this one still. I think Oklahoma, um, simply because of Jalen Hurts, um, they're, they're able to win the shootout games because of, uh, because of Jalen Hurts. And I think under his leadership and his motivation, um, they'll come out on top on this one. I do think Baylor's a solid team, um, but their, their little run for the playoff, um, I think, ends this week. Okay. Yeah, I'm uh... – I'm going Oklahoma as well. Um, I like Jalen Hurts in this one. Baylor, though, man, I, first off, shout out to my family. Uh, I got some some Baylor fam over in Texas, and uh, I will be rooting for Baylor in this one and in any game where they're not playing Georgia. Just the you know the professional journalist in me has to has to make the pick here that I think is going to help me beat Caleb on the season, and I really. Truly believe number 10, Oklahoma, has not been playing their best football, but the Jalen Hurts is the kind of leader who can get them to do so in a big game like this. I'm going with Oklahoma. Caleb, for the extra point, of course, we have number 5, Georgia, at number 13, Auburn. Few things on this one. Well, you know what? Let me let me hear your thoughts on this before I, before I share mine. Yeah, obviously, um, Auburn's defense is a little bit of a worry. Um, with how inconsistent our offense can be, Um, especially being at Jordan-Hare. That's a little bit of a concern with me. Now, I do have a strong confidence in our uh, defense to Auburn's offense matchup, um, which I think this will be a a low-scoring game because of that. Yeah, and I I think Rodrigo Blankenship's going to play a big role in this. I think he'll have a you know, a good amount of field made field goals, long ones. I think this game is going to be one off field position. So mm-hmm. punting and keeping them pinned um, to their end zone, I think is huge. So I think maybe even the player to watch this week for us is the, is our punter and, uh, and making sure, that, yeah, Jake Camarda and uh, making sure that we control field position. So yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on it. Caleb, I love that you bring that up because Everyone's been talking about Auburn's defense. Everyone's been talking about Georgia's offensive struggles, but Georgia's strength on the other side of the ball. We really have not gotten into special teams in in a, in a low-scoring game that we expect in this one. It is very possible that the game comes down to special teams. Now, we know Georgia's kicker, Rodrigo Blankenship, is someone that we're confident in and um, hopeful that that can you know play to the best of his abilities on the road this week at Auburn. But Jake Camarda is a guy who started the season really rough this year. He's done better in recent weeks, um, but if he had the kind of performance he had against South Carolina, for example, that's the kind of thing that could change the game for Auburn. So 
I think you bring up great points there, and I think that's definitely something to be keeping an eye on during the game is the play of our special teams because that, that very well could determine this one. A few of my thoughts on this one. I don't feel that Auburn's getting the respect that they deserve. They're coming off a bye week, first off. So you got a week of rest while Georgia had guys like Lawrence Cager, Trey Hill get banged up last week and Isaiah Wilson as well. And then this Auburn defense held number one LSU to 23 points on offense, which is very, very impressive, especially on the road. They have not lost a home game. Both of their losses have been on the road, and both of those games were against you know, top 15 teams, number one LSU, number 11 Florida. So in addition, Derek Brown, as we all know, is one of the best football players in the country. And he could easily be playing, probably starting in the NFL right now. He is an absolute force. And if Georgia calls the kind of game that runs right into their defense, um, he's the kind of player that can change this game. And and then on the flip side, Auburn's offense has struggled uh, with Bo Nix. And Joey Gatewood recently entered the transfer portal. So they've hitched their wagons to Bo Nix. Their offense has not been good. Their defense has been phenomenal. So good that they've nearly beaten LSU in Florida, um, which would have them in the top four right now if they had. For Auburn, they've had a week to try to fix their offense. I don't think they fix it, but I do think their defense is good enough to keep this keep this one close. So I'm I'm very anxious. I mean, part of it is is being a guy that's from Alabama, and uh, you know dealing with all the Auburn fans, but. I'm very anxious. I think it's going to be a very tight game. I think we can expect the kind of nerve-wracking game that, that we had against Florida just a few weeks ago. And uh, and so Kirby Smart has said that Lawrence Cager will likely play. Um, I hope he's playing at the same level he was playing in that game. I hope that James Coley calls a game like we called against Florida. And uh, I hope that Jake Fromm really has his first – great game and a true road test because at least against an SEC West opponent you look at two years ago you got Auburn that was his you know rough game on the season last year LSU this year we haven't played an SEC West team on the road now we got Auburn there's nothing they want more than to ruin our playoff hopes as we have for them for so many years this is a great chance for Jake Fromm to prove that he has evolved and uh developed as a quarterback that can not only get it done on the neutral site and at home in Sanford Stadium, but also in a hostile environment at Jordan Hare. Worth noting, Kirby Smart's 3-1 and against Auburn, uh, though he's also 0-1 on the Plains, and Jake Fromm is 2-1 and against Auburn with an 0-1 record on the Plains. Score prediction, Caleb, I'm going to let you go first. No, I'm not. We're going to do it at the same time like, like we've been doing. Um, you ready? Three, two, one. Then we say it. Three, two, one. Seventeen to nine. Ooh, wow. We are always, always right there. Right there. Um, sixteen to ten. Yeah. So we're you and I are on the same page. I hope I hope this team is is ready for a battle because Auburn has yeah. nothing to lose and they have no fear. All they want to do is knock us off at home. Georgia's got everything to lose. We're number four. It's it's win or go home for Georgia moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for a tough, gritty game. Um, 
We really need to win the line of scrimmage, which is a little worrisome because of the beat-up offensive line. I do think James Coley has got to be putting something good together. I think the reasoning behind my score of 16 to 10, I think uh, I think we drive the ball okay, but once we hit the uh, at least get close to the red zone, we Auburn's defense is solid in the red zone, and I think we trip up there a little bit. But that's where right, I think I think our only touchdown comes from some sort of misdirection. You know, maybe a Jake Fromm quarterback keeper, or, you know, RPO or something like that. Um, and then Rodrigo hits three solid field goals, and and the defense holds Auburn to ten points. So yeah, that, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So. I, you know, I see the game going a, a similar way as our scores are, are right there. Two things I would love to see in this one. As I mentioned before, George Pickens being the salt in the womb for Auburn. Would love to see him make a game-changing type of play or having a game-changing type of performance um, against the team he almost played for. And uh, DeAndre Swift has been the Tiger Slayer ever since he was a freshman. Had that long run to clinch the SEC championship. Last year, similar position, fourth quarter, still a ball game, and Swift breaks one. You see uh, Mr. Swift doing the throat slash from the crowd. Would love to see him finish his career against Auburn, having run a long touchdown against them that that pretty much buried them uh, each game. So something to keep an eye on as he has done it twice before. And I uh, could see us, you know, finally getting some room, some wiggle room for him late in the game once again. So very nervous about this one, dogs. Uh, if you're going to the game, let's represent the dogs well. Let's, uh, let's be loud for, for, <laughs> for our dogs when we get the chance because we know they're going to be loud, um, as they always are, against Georgia in that 330 slot. And uh, to everyone else, make sure to do your things that help us win. I will be wearing my Georgia shoes that, um, you know, that I forgot to wear for the South Carolina game and, uh, you know, doing my part as a fan, likely watching from the state of Georgia, not in Auburn, although things do change as they did last week and I ended up going to the Mizzou game. But um, Caleb, thank you as always for joining us and listeners, appreciate you taking a moment of your time to uh, hear our thoughts on the dogs. We'll be back next week, another big episode. So stay tuned and go dogs. Go dogs.